What's happening, Roger? What's up, mama? We got it. What's going on? Get ready for some talking brown sugar. We back. We back. Ready to talk. How are you today? Not bad. How are you? I'm pretty, pretty okay. Glad to know that. I'm Angela the mom. I'm Roger the daughter. And And this this is Talking Brown Sugar. Sugar. I want some of your brown sugar. We're in the Sugar Bowl today where we share some random thoughts. What you have for the people today, Mom? Doorbell. If you go to someone's house, be polite. Just ring the doorbell once, maybe twice, if they don't answer. Maybe in 20 seconds. And if they have that ring, make sure you're not doing nothing you don't have no business doing, like picking in your nose and then ringing that ring. Are you talking about when somebody does a double doo-doo-doo-doo? Yes, all that good stuff. What if what if they're ringing it because it's like a, um emergency? You know, when you leave a voicemail and they say, to leave a urgent message, hit two. So they hit the button two times. Okay, in that case, be prepared for what I might say. Don't be hitting my damn doorbell no more. <laughs> <coughs> That's my random door. Okay. Uh, living near a lake has given us so many uh, down by the lake jokes. Um, references uh, from Lavelle Crawford's uh, stand-up. Um, you know, he was saying how, you know, when mom's trip um, on the news, he said, the white lady, the white mama, she took her kids down by the lake, and that was a threat his mom used. And it was funny because my mom also used that threat to us when she saw things on the news. That lady had enough of them kids. And now... You know, go taking out the trash down by the lake. Uh, having a conversation down by the lake. You keep on messing around. You're going to be what? Down by the lake. <laughs> sugar cubes, a.k.a. the news where we put a little sugar in your cup. Landlord denies evicting tenant for having black guests. Some of the best friends I got. Is colored. Boughton County, Georgia, a North Georgia couple denies evicting their tenant because she had a black family come over for a play date. The claims against Allen and Patricia McCoy are in the federal lawsuit filed in Atlanta's North District Wednesday. The tenant, Victoria Sutton, is a representative by the ACLU of Georgia in the housing discrimination claims. Sutton said Alan McCoy called her an N-word lover. Shortly after a black co-worker's family left her Addersville rental home last fall, Sutton said she had invited them over for a play date and hugged the co-worker goodbye. The complaint said later in the day, Mr. McCoy told her she should be ashamed of herself and he would call Child Protective Services for having a for having an N-word on their property. 
Later in the evening, Sutton said she called Patricia McCoy at Alan McCoy's directions after he threatened to evict her, saying she had thought about the consequences before she brought that N-word around. The complaint goes on to say McCoy's violated a court order eviction notice in which a judge required the McCoys to give 60 days for her, the father of her children, and three young children to move out of the home. The McCoys told Carr they didn't remove belongings from the home before that time. Sutton said the ordeal caused her to scramble for housing and rush to make school accommodations for a special needs child. I wasn't shocked at all because of the racism is alive and well today, said Sean J. Young, legal director for the ACLU of Georgia. It is so sad how people, 2019, and we are still talking about racism. You can't have a play date or have a guest over to your house of, their, of another color. You evicted? Really? So that means we're going to be having signs in the yard, burning it across. I mean, it's just getting too far. I think a person, if you pay your rent, you should be able to have whoever you want over to your house. If you're upset about it, don't pay attention. Or put this on your paper or your application and show how racist you are that you don't want nobody to stay there if they invite other colors to their home. Because they're just having a play date. They're just having, trying to have a good time. But if you if that racist... You should have said so in the first place. But this supposed to be America. It's getting worse. Yeah, just like Young said, it's um racism is alive and well today. Racism is a system um that works to disenfranchise people of color. And you think about the landlords in this case, they are essentially a system because they can control who lives in the area, and they might have affordable housing um, in wherever they are, um, thinking about how they speak, and just where they are, that may be an affordable option for people, and for whoever they may, that may be, those landlords are acting as gatekeepers, and um, even though they, the landlords say that it wasn't racially motivated, their choice to evict her, um, it's funny that it escalated to an eviction after she had over some black guests. Um, but that's but that's what it is. And, and I don't think the tenant is black. Um, at least we know they're not black. So they could be white because that landlord could only um, lease to people, white people. Um, so... There's people like these landlords who continue to keep racism alive and well. And it's unfortunate. Yes, it's very unfortunate. I hope they have to pay, pay, pay. A Pennsylvania school district reportedly plans to send another letter to parents after facing backlash for a message warning parents their children could be recommended to be put in foster care if they did not pay their school lunch debt. One copy of the initial letter, which has since been reported on social media, shows the Wyoming Valley West School District informing parents of their school of their students' school lunch account balance. 
of $75.25, adding that multiple letters have been sent home with your child and no payment has been made to their account, NBC-affiliated WBRE reported. This is so sad for the poor children and the parents. The district is trying to collect some 20000 worth of unpaid lunch debt, according to the WBRE, which reported that the district plans to send another softer version of the letter to the parents who haven't paid their child's lunch debt. Joanne Van Son, executive director of the county's child and youth services, called the initial letter disturbing, telling the WBRE that never has this county removed a child from home for unpaid bills, and never we will. Luzerne Luz- County mailed a letter to the district on Thursday calling on the school system to retract the initial message to the parents, according to the WBRE. School districts have drawn national attention before over this approaches to collecting on lunch money debts. You know what? Your child can't even go to school. You you got to worry about this, that, and the other. And it's... I understand what they're saying. But I think if they can't foster and help the parent, some people can't pay. But I feel if you can come up with a solution for the parents, if they don't have the money, maybe they can come and do some kind of volunteer work to pay the debt. But some parents are working two and three jobs and they forget. It's not that they don't have it. Sometimes they just get caught up in the system themselves and trying to make sure the child is there on time. Is it if the child has other needs, they're in baseball, they're in sports, they got academics. If this child is doing well, sometimes we can be a little lenient. But this don't don't say foster care. That's a bit much. Y'all trying to scare people. And sometimes some parents can't deal with the scare. They got enough going on in their household. You might scare them into cardiac arrest. I know. Um, you think about all the ice raids and everything that's happening, and then you use, you know, the threat of foster care because of $75 unpaid lunch debt. Food a child needs to eat. If children can't eat, studies have shown if children aren't eating quality meals or just, re- like, meals, full meals during the day, it's hard for them to focus because they're thinking about what their body um, noises are making or just not being able to focus because they aren't getting the right nutrients. They aren't necessarily able to process, maintain focus, anything. So imagine that combination in a school setting and, you know, at home you don't have anything really to eat or what you're able to bring to school to eat isn't much. And already children are mean. So you have a lot of schools creating these different um, tiered lunch programs for the children who either um, can't uh, can't pay, have reduced lunch, all kinds of things. And they get, you know, like a peanut butter sandwich or a peanut butter banana sandwich if you can't pay. And all kids can see in the cafeteria who has what kind of lunch and, you know. And then I don't necessarily know about the solution to have parents volunteering. Uh, to pay the debt, because what if they're working a job where they can't get off to volunteer? That's true, but they got Saturdays and Sundays. Sometimes you got to fit in where you can get in. But I'm playing the people who don't have. If you ain't got money, pay that seventy five dollars for your child to eat. For your child to eat, right? Not talking about a field trip or something extra, 
which also is problematic. Um, but if you got the seventy five dollars for your job to eat, how are you gonna have time to take off? You usually working two and three jobs. That's true. Just like if you're on probation and they tell you to do some community service, if that's a, it's up to that parent if they can resolve it without coming out their pocket. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The school doesn't have that as an option because we talked too about how, I don't know if we talked about this, but I've read about different articles where like celebrity chefs and different organizations have done it, tried to donate money to pay off the lunch debts and the schools aren't hearing it. The schools do not want to take the money because they say they don't know how they're going to allocate um, money to pay for different lunches. Like they don't want to have to choose which student gets to you know, clear their debt. I'm like, well, just break it up so everybody get a little discount or... Yeah, they can do it that way. You know, they have red tape for everything because most time, you know, they always ask the person about the income. You know how it is when you're filling out these lunch information. It's dealing with the government funding. They can do anything they want to do. Anything can be made if it's done legally right. It's up to the it's up to the principal. It's up to the board of education. If their child, if they think about the child, they say the child comes first, they can make it happen. I think they should adopt that program that we've seen in other countries where the kids bring recyclables to school in a bag and it pays for their lunch or books or anything like however many they bring. If they bring like 10 plastic bottles or mm-hmm. 10 empty cans, they can get anything. Right. But that helps to show kids like here's how to recycle, here's what it can go towards. This little stuff like that. Um, like you said, anything can be made possible, but the school I think needs to provide those options. Like that's I feel like it's, it should be on the responsibility of the school to provide additional options for payment or repayment if you really want the money. Yeah, because if they these parents start taking their kids out to school, even though that debt might follow them, at least they're showing that their school had came up with a new solution. Mm-hmm. All right. Time for Delta Sigma Theta Sorority response to a tropical storm. Barry is a model to follow. The sorority proactively canceled the remainder of its national convention at the Ernest and Moral Convention Convention Center on Friday so that the members and their families and vendors and others could leave New Orleans in the true spirit of the organization, which provides itself, which prides itself, excuse me, on sisterhood and service, the organization also donated 17,000 meals likely already purchased for the convention. Related events, the second Harvest Food Bank, according to the news report. I think that was a great thing for any sorority to do because think about it. You got a storm coming. What's good to the soul is food. And most times, you know, people don't even think about self-preservation or selfishness, but they weren't selfish. They provided a meal. They thought about what was going on in the community, and they helped out as a sisterhood. What more can you think? You know, some people always think, and it, plus it's a black sorority. Go out to you, sorrows. You know, it's just really, really great kudos, and it's a real good feel story, showing that somebody's always thinking about somebody else besides just thinking about the group. Hats off to you. Yeah, it was definitely a good deed. Um, We hear a lot of stories about how um, sororities and fraternities uh, 
or just pledge, pledging and hazing could be a dangerous activity or, you know, whatever that could be and all of that. But this, I think, um, is something that we don't often see or really hear reported because a lot of fraternities and organizations like sororities um, have been donating to causes, um, especially in, like, different times of need. And I think with the threat of Hurricane Barry, we also saw reports about how unprepared the levees still are, how damaged things are, and how people in the community who really just started rebuilding their lives and their homes are really um, concerned. Like, we're approaching uh, hurricane season. We are in hurricane season, essentially. Um, So this might hopefully um, might not be the last that we hear about New Orleans and um, being prepared. But I think this was a great um, opportunity for them to show love to the community in their time of need. All with some more news. Dolly Parton had the best response to Lil Nas X's request to remix Old Town Road. Uh, so her country song Jolene was released in 1973, yet it still sounds fresh 46 years later. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Uh, Little Nas X also recognized her iconic status when he personally requested for the 73-year-old singer to hop on the remix to his breakout hit Old Town Road, Old Town Road, along with the newcomer Megan Thee Stallion. And then it's a tweet from him. Y'all think I can get Dolly Parton and Megan Thee Stallion on Old Town Road remix? The country rap bop has been number one on Billboard charts for 15 weeks and counting. This article's a little dated, so um, he's also been breaking some more records recently by producing just a bunch of different remixes. Check some of those out. He has some um, like house mixes and everything with actual artists that he's collaborated with. And so a remix featuring Dolly Parton would surely help secure the record for the most weeks at number one. Well, Lil Nas X just might be in luck. Um, and earlier this week, past week, Dolly responded to his tweet, and it looks like she's ready to take her horse to the Old Town Road. I don't know if you all have seen it, but it's the picture with a, a pink horse added to the one of the two horses, the black and brown one, with a blonde hair. And that was her response. She added him. So she added her horse to the picture. It's the pink horse. <laughs> Somebody said they ended all of the horses. My little Pauline was found shaking in her hooves. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to hear. Um, I need to look it up and look and just listen to all the other remixes. Because it's a great bop. Gonna take a horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. Make, make me shaking my boots. Shaking your boots. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this one hits a little close to home, because I feel the big sister on this, as a big sister and little sister myself. Uh, big sister sneaks on campus and eliminates the girl who's bullying her little brother. The video, um, is real. Um, and so, the older sister sneaks back onto, I'm sure, a high school she probably went to. And it says the girl wearing the red shirt is a high school senior, probably the most popular kid on campus, but also a known bully. So in the video, you can see the older sister uh, asking the popular bully of her younger brother um, 
essentially what's good what is popping and the girl is clearly trying to ignore her knowing she's in the wrong but also you know when you're now faced with someone who's bigger taller than you what do you do um so the girl's trying to walk away it says she allegedly disrespected a young small freshman boy at school in front of all his classmates spreading rumors that he is a homosexual person which is twofold just a disgusting thing to do um especially if you're an older kid in this situation um to be spreading rumors that he's homosexual like why is that that shows just how she's she's been raised and what she um is accustomed to also we're the teachers um in the fight you can see the older sister literally dragging this little girl it's a nice couple of minutes to to 30 like between seconds and minutes the girl who was bullying her younger brother is handled um literally and it takes a minute before you hear teachers um, who are just standing in front of their rooms, because I'm sure they don't understand. They, I'm pretty sure they know all the students and their faces, and they see this other person, like an outsider, and like, what's going on here? And so you hear a teacher, a female teacher, um, yelling, stop, stop, stop. And I don't see any, like, anyone else try to break it up. And I know it's a lot to think about teachers breaking up a fight, especially when they don't know the person who's stepping in. But um, then you hear male voice yelling, all right, enough, enough. And then um, the video cuts out. But the bully got her butt handed to her in front of other students. And uh, that's what can happen. That's just a consequence. But also I think... um, That it's just a lesson in, you know, for bullies, for teachers, like just this institution that we have. Like, we have to do better and be more proactive about um, when kids are getting bullied. Because um, I've been on both sides of this. I've been bullied, and I have stepped up to bullies who were bullying my, my little brother, um, especially in high school. Um, that was for any male, females, whoever um, has something to say. Definitely stand up for mine my family um but I remember being on the side of the one being bullied like middle school high school being bullied different reason by different people and I will always tell the teachers I would tell bus bus driver I would do the most and be the most proactive about it like my mama told me she was like somebody's messed with you you tell them they put their hands on you you put their hands your hands on them and so I would let I will let my teachers know, hey, here's where I'm at in this situation. I have exercised all of these steps. If I am continued to be bullied, I will be fighting. And if I get sent off the bus, you all will have to deal with my mother because I'm going to have to ride a city bus. I'm just not going to be coming to school. So that's a problem for everybody that we do not want to happen. Sometimes that will work. Sometimes my mom has to come up to the school. Sometimes it didn't work. And, you know, you have to sneak somebody. Because people think you're quiet, especially if you're smaller than kids and the older kids trying to pick on you. They'll think you're quiet and think you're passive. But we have to do better um, as as systems uh, when people are found to be bullying. I think there should be more actionable steps that uh, the schools take to involve parents, to involve community uh, at large. Yes, when I saw this... You know, we don't want to provoke, promote, but I was like, you know what? I felt it. 
Because if somebody was bullying my little sister or my little brother, it was nothing my mom could have told me. I'm going to the school. We're going to see what's really good. Because, you know, you, you see your sibling come home looking crazy. You're like, what happened to you? And they might not tell you, but you you can tell their whole demeanor is different. If you walk into school with them the next day and you go in your direction to your school and they go in theirs and they be like, I don't feel like going to school. Then you find out somebody's bothering them. You be like, oh, we got a problem. And like Roger said, when you tell people, they hear it and be like, oh, okay, we'll Not do something people, about it. Authorities, teachers. Yeah, I call principals. Them, I call them people. I'm gonna tell you why. Yeah, you because once you tell them, they just sweep it up under the rug. And then when that bully comes to school with that black eye, try to tell you. You think about school shootings and stuff like this. That's the I think that's the beauty of having uh siblings or just uh programs and activities for kids to be social in to learn how to build those uh different uh social strategies to talk through their problems. Because I don't know what the bully was going through, but I know she uh was gonna get her act together. She's not gonna be messing with that little boy again. And I'm pretty sure people are now bullying her because she got her butt whooped in front of the school and now it's a national thing. Um just watching the video again, um, I don't even feel bad for the bully. Because the sister literally had a whole conversation walking with her, and she tried, the bully tried to be dismissive and, like, fanned her off. And then you tell the older sister, was like, oh, okay, you're not listening. Boop, boop, bop, bill, toss. Yeah, it and seemed like there was a warning, and she was like, It wasn't even it. a warning. She was, like, she was asking was her, like, yeah. why, are you, why are you bullying my little brother? And... She got her butt handed to her. Um, but, yeah, having siblings, to have your back, having a bunch of cousins, or just, you know, having team sports or team activities where you can build camaraderie amongst others, I think it's good for kids to be in social situations as much as possible. Uh, you know, whatever their abilities and capacities are um, so that they can build friendships and we can reduce some of that bullying. That's why we need more after school programs and more programs uh, for public education. Probably we just need more programs for children to be uh, in those social spaces where they can see and appreciate differences in each other and similarities and just respect people for being people. Yes. That's what's up. Uh, Amazon's new tiny store kit for 4000 is just what many black entrepreneurs need. I say for many entrepreneurs, it says in others in low-income areas who often don't have much capital to start a business or have difficulty securing loans because you're in a uh, red line area. It says a new tiny store kit is being sold on Amazon and has changed the game. The retail kiosk can be purchased for just $3,990 and can be assembled within just a few hours. Now, they say just a few hours, but listen to how many tools you need. You kind of need a YouTube, a couple YouTube videos and a trip to Home Depot. Uh, manufactured by a company called Allwood, the only tools needed for assembly are a hammer, a saw, screwdriver, pliers, a drill, a ladder, level, a box cutter, and measuring tape. All things, we have a hammer and pliers, a, a box cutter. Oh, we got okay. We got some of these things. Mm-hmm. We could do this. Tape. We could. Uh-huh, I think I know where a lever, a lever, level is. 
Um, but the structure is made from wood and has three service windows, a unique Scandinavian retail design, and features 94 square feet of interior space that does not require any type of finishing inside. They do recommend, however, that the outside of the kiosk should be stained or painted against weather within three months of completion of the assembly. Once announced, the product quickly went viral on social media because it presents an opportunity to thousands of black and other minority entrepreneurs. Well, okay. Minority entrepreneurs who simply can't afford to invest tens of thousands of dollars into a storefront or expo exposition. The tiny store kit allows, however, them to easily set up the boutique to start doing business right in their own communities and even on their own property if they own land. Allwood is also the same company that manufactures and sells reasonably priced tiny homes and playhouses we talked about earlier mm-hmm. that can also be assembled within hours. So I guess you get you a tiny house, tiny kit, and a couple acres of land, and boom, you have a home and a store, storefront. And you can build a whole little community. Wouldn't that be nice? Sounds good. Good revenue. Let's get one. I'm thinking about it. We're going to sell some smoothies and we'll find we'll find Some talking brown sugar. Some talking brown sugar, sugar rubs. Yeah. Just just coming to a zip code or something near you. Just, it's coming. It's coming. Stay tuned, people. Sweet deets. As you will hear in our main discussion, Diane will be shouting out a couple of local businesses. You too can have your business mentioned by us. If you want some promotion for your business in our next Sweet Deets mention, and you can email us at talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com with the subject line business feature. Uh, send us a few sentences about your business, product, or service. There's room for everyone to eat. All right, where you can find us online. Facebook and Instagram at Talking Brown Sugar, Twitter at Talking Brown Sugar, email talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com. Check out a format. Hit us up. Wellness check. Sunscreen, people. Even though we have beautiful melanin skin, don't forget to put it on your children and yourself. Melanoma. Yes. No. Because you see that little commercials that be showing how your skin looks up under that light? It's not pretty. Take care of animals, too. Make sure they have water. Booties. Yeah, take care of them and bring them in the house sometimes. Put some ice in that water, too, if you just want to leave them outside for a little while. And check on your older people. Because sometimes they think they grown. You know how they get... Everybody, welcome back to Talking Brown Sugar. We're about to hop into the main discussion. Today we have our first official guest. Um, Diane is my co-worker. She's passionate about social justice. Just an intelligent young lady who has so much going for her. And I wanted to invite her on the show to talk about a few things we talked about, just a conversation over lunch and just in passing, something I feel like a lot of people can relate to. Um, especially in the workplace and just, you know, as a young professional uh, growing up in this world. So, Diane, tell the people a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, thanks, Raj, for that lovely intro. Um, I'm, you know, really happy to be able to join you and Miss Angela today um, for this episode, which is super important. And, like, for real, it's about time that we get some of these conversations that we've been having uh, with one another at work. 
like somewhere down, you know, maybe so that we can look back on it and so that other people can learn. Uh-huh. From it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, exactly. a little bit about me. Um, I am 23 years old. I'm heading off to law school this fall. Yeah. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Um, I've been working in the corporate field, uh, specifically the nonprofit industry for the last two years. Um, one that's more um, relaxed with like a, in, a, in a co-working space with another organization. And then uh, the year before I was working in a more traditional nonprofit um, where we, we were the only tenants all together. Um, and our um, focus was in affordable housing. Right. Um, so one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, just to get the ball rolling, um, what is professionalism to you? Like, what does that look like? Um, professionalism is, you know, it's you're putting on your face when you go to work. Um, you're putting on, you know, leaving everything, all your um, your reserves, all of your um, personal feelings at home um, and going into the office um, ready to do the job, right? So we're mm-hmm. all showing up paid to do a particular job and do it well. And to me, that's what the the mindset should be um, in regards to professionalism. The way that that's shown is, you know, you talk to your coworkers in a specific way that is professional. Um, the way that you uh, go about dealing with conflict is is professional um, mm-hmm. the way that you you know show up in the place is with the idea in mind of like you're just being paid to do the job and do it well um, not to make anyone feel uncomfortable um, not to live out you know like all your deepest desires and all that stuff like you're showing up with the idea in mind that you're be- being paid to do a job and you know doing that without bringing any personal issue to it yeah. Well said. What about you, Mo? I feel the same way. You know, when you go to work, you look for mutual respect. Mm-hmm. As soon as you come through the door, you come dressed, eyes open, and ready to work. And you want that same energy to reciprocate back to you. Right. You, don't, you don't want nobody just looking at you when you come to work like, oh my gosh, here she go. You know, and, and then you got chaos going around in the workplace. And then you just want to feel like when you get there, let's, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'm, here, I'm not here to make friends, but I'm I'm here to connect, communicate, so we just get the job done. So at the end of the day, we can all both say, "Good job." Yeah, um, I agree. With both you guys, I'm professionalism. I feel like it's something you literally can put on. It's something that you need, like it's necessary to show up to work, like you said, and getting paid to do a job. But I think professionalism is one of those unspoken rules or. Uh, like the small text at the bottom of your contract, like it's expected of you to be professional in this space. Um, once you sign your name on the line, like, yes, I'm willing to accept these duties. I feel like professionalism is definitely one of those like unspoken rules. Um, that's something we should adhere to. Right. Definitely right. <laughs> and so in, in thinking about um, like those different lines of professionalism, who would you say, so anybody can jump in, who would you say taught you how to be professional? Or how did you learn how to be professional and to like move in professional spaces? Well, for myself, I watched family members who were professional or whatever the jobs they had um, or going with them to work and visiting and watching them 
their workspace and how people interact with them. So as we growing up and as a young woman and as a black female, I know sometimes we have to bring a little bit more to the table. Mm. You know, you have to look at what you wear, how you handle yourself, your conversation, the words that you use that you might not use with your friends. When you get to work, you got to like put on your different charm. Mm -hmm. You know, like showing them like, look, I earned this space. I got this degree. You're gonna, you're gonna see me. You're gonna see my work and my work. So I've learned from my mom by her being a nurse. I watched her turn it on and turn it off, and I said, "Oh, so that's what you really have to do." Besides, mm -hmm. read the application that you feel to provide them with, with a resume and showing them your abilities that I can do this work. But let me show you, I can stand by myself to conquer this job, and you know to get my worth out of it, so you can appreciate me the person and my name yeah yeah about the same about the same for me like my mom she is um a mortgage lender and so uh, she's been you know doing um housing development work um like all my life and my father um he's a postman and so right. even though it's a diff oh yeah yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Tough. look at that that's <laughs> And that comes with, you know, some, that comes with professionalism too, you know, like yeah. even down to they have a specific uniform that they have to put on every day. Right. You know, right. so, and there's, there's rules like protecting um, uh, the professional, like um, male carriers and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. people can go to jail for messing with them. So oh. they take their jobs very seriously and it really is about doing the job and doing it well. I think all my life, you know, I've carried, like a sense of professionalism, like even as a kid, like, you know, like I knew like, once you put on this, this suit, you know, yeah. you got to carry yourself a different way, you know, you exactly. can't really, but it's so funny being in a professional space now where things are changing and like people are trying to bring in more like casual, oh. casual ideas and ways of being, you know, like into the yeah. workspace. And it's really conflicting because yes, like it would be nice, you know, that you show up to a workspace and you make friends and stuff like that. Like, it's great that me and Raja like have like a connection that's deeper than just, we get our work done together. Yeah. But it also allows for, you know, like for there to be conflict and issues that, you know, show that show up in our social lives to also show up at work. And so now working isn't even a safe space anymore where you just go to work and like, you know, people can't mess with you, but now the lines are being blurred. Um, you know, and it's such a shame because black people, we're the ones that they try to tell the most. Like, you got to carry yourself like this. You can't wear your hair like this. You can't yes. do this or that. And now it's like, it's a free for all, but not really for us. Like, we still are being held to a standard while everybody else just carry themselves however they want to carry themselves. I definitely agree with you there. Um, just coming from like retail, even, I feel like in retail spaces, I had more strict guidelines as far mm -hmm. as literally uniform down to your socks had to be black matching mm -mm. Um, and the way like you wore your name tag the way I had my hair I had to have it up at all times and and I was manager I was opening running the store and I still had like strict guidelines I had to follow and so mm -mm. definitely moving into nonprofit spaces and learning that like just how different organizations function Mm -hmm. You have to transform to fit and protect yourself in a way. Um, mm -hmm. Even though it seems more laxed, it's still like you got to cover your your own ass, really. Mm -hmm. um, 
and be mindful more than when I had more rules to follow. And so that's a funny uh, feel transition I've had personally as an, a professional and similar to what you're expressing, Diane, um, just like what, cause I also worked at a nonprofit before working at the current one I'm at, we're at now. And mm-hmm. it was kind of relaxed, but after that was after like I proved that, oh, I know what I'm doing. I got this, I can run the show by myself almost. Right. And so <clears throat> I'm definitely the type of person who shows up in the fro for my interview. Mm-hmm. But I show you like I can switch it up as I need to, as I work with different people. Um, and I feel like for me, my hair definitely has been a part of um, how I show up. And yeah. just um, my own personal experiment is me switching up my hair and seeing how my coworkers respond. Because as a Black woman, I feel like I've often seen different people express themselves with like brightly colored hair Mm -hmm. in professional spaces and I'm like oh so we can do this Mm -hmm. so when I try it I always get a different response it's like oh look at your hair and I'm like yeah look at it (laughs) I'm still here doing the same work I'm still professional still get my things done on time it's the same person but now that I've had a little color it's like oh okay right right. you're shaking the table (laughs) right (laughs) exactly exactly that they're like nothing has changed. I'm the same person. Chill out. Right. Yeah, girl. You know, you know, I've I've been through it because I show up to work. However, I feel I'm. You know, I want to show up to work as far as my hair goes. Yeah. Because like, what does that conversation look like, especially in a in a mission based organization? You know, like like I, I'm I'm waiting on the day that someone actually like addresses me about my hair in a mission based organization. You know, where like equity is at the forefront and, Mm -hmm. you know, equality is at the forefront, even though those conversations still do happen. And it's unfortunate that people still take their time to to try and make you, um, you know, meet their standard, which really affects nothing of your work. Um, It does absolutely nothing to to, you know, make the work. Um, be any less efficient or um, any less effective like it's just it you know I I like to challenge those type of ideals even though I do believe like there is a standard that is that should be held at work and I understand that like culture that there needs to be a culture that's built um, in the workplace but I'm not going to be a part of perpetuating uh, (coughs) culture at a workplace where people have to do things change themselves that have nothing to do with the work. I feel you. I feel you. And so in like building the culture, do you think when people or organizations are building culture, do you think that should be a collective process or should it be something that's decided like amongst a, like a higher level group or like senior staff or like, how do you think that should happen at organizations? Like whether it be nonprofit, strictly corporate or a startup, like Mm -hmm. how do you think culture should be built in organizations if it is to be equitable, inclusive, just as we're like shifting in workspaces now throughout the country, even in Durham, we're seeing a lot of more like co-working spaces pop up. Like, how do you think culture should be built? Oof, I don't know, Miss Miss Ange. Maybe you can like provide me with the lens. Like, what were they? What What was the process? Because I feel like the processes are all like 
haywire now, you know? And I haven't even been in the workforce that long. Like, of course, I've done internships and stuff like that throughout college and also then, you know, gaining the two years of work experience. But I don't really know what used to be done. And I feel like the way that things are right now, I wish, like, I had more of an idea of, like, what used to be done. (laughs) For some reason, it feels like it's much crazier than (laughs) what it used to be and probably much uh, more complex. From what I've seen, by me being, I've been in hospital field for a while. But when I was mm-hmm. um, a manager at Exodus Drugs, everything always had a structure. Pause. Did you hear the store, Dave? She mentioned what store? Exodus Drugs. That don't exist anymore. Oh. <laughs> it's in Florida. It's a Florida-based. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a Florida-based drugstore. No, I'm just trying to give context to people listening. <laughs> Wow. This store does not exist anymore. It does not. This was back in the eighties, and um, see, we had a uniform we did have to wear. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when it comes to your hair, they would say things or they would look, but they wouldn't say anything about it. They would talk around it, but you mm-hmm. knew it was about you. But when I was working in a private institution, we did have meetings about your uniform, your hairstyle, or was it bothering someone. But now you see it all over different newses, um, broadcasts, commercials. People don't really care about how they feel about a person, personally. Mm-hmm. They just put it out there. I, I think you should not wear it this way because it might offend someone. Mm-hmm. You have just seen someone with purple hair in another department and, and, and your level is higher than theirs. And I've been wearing purple hair for over six years before this happened. You got a problem with I don't, but mm-hmm. the way they're addressing things now, it seems more to the race than it is to the person. Because mm. um, they they don't you know they they're writing these new. Well, we just seen a case go about the young fellow getting his hair cut in the wrestling. Then we seen a, another young guy who was yeah trying to get a job as my carewinds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he's the model because they were telling him to cut his dreads. Yeah, I think that was what Six Flags or something like that. Six Flags, six flags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I think it's California. They just passed that you can't the legislation that you can't discriminate against people's hair in the hiring process. Um, yeah. So that's why, like, for me, my hair is my conversation to who I am. Mm-hmm. Some days I want to go this way. Some days I might want to go curly. Some days I might want to go straight, mm-hmm. but it's not to make no one feel I'm trying to prove anything. It's just, just see what you're getting on the table, something new, something with a zest of life to show you. There's always a way to, to do anything. Right. Take a chance on it, you know. So, Ma, when you were working and then as you progressed, the culture was set by who? Was it you and your, your co-workers? Yeah. Yours, like your superiors, like who set the standard? The, the standard came from the superiors. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But as a co-worker, we would come together and voice our opinions uh-huh. and take it and let mm-hmm. them know, look, you, um, you're not talking to test test guinea pigs here. You know, we, we're we the ones that the customer's going to see regardless. And if it is a demand or criticism, can we see it in writing? Mm-hmm. Can we see who is complaining? Who is um, making a riff up on the your collar? Right. And sometimes it's just them personally, or right. we have new charters that come in. 
um, different management teams come in and they're from another state and they want to throw their weight. I throw my weight back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, which one you want? You want the person who can do the job? And when they find out they let another person do the job and they didn't get the same quality, then they say, oh, Angela, by the way, can you check on this for me? And I said, if I have time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm I'm definitely with that. Like, yeah, show me the law. Like, show me the rule. Because <laughs> I, I like to follow rules. and I think that they are necessary for the office and all uh-huh. that stuff. But you you can't just be making it up on the fly. Oh, and, they would try. And I believe it. I believe it. Like, you're just going to try and, and, and pers- well, well, you know, push, pursue your personal beliefs and stuff like that. But and then also push them on me like that's that's not fair. Um, I do kind of feel like the superiors need to be the one to set the tone because that's the whole point. You know, like you're being paid a higher a higher grade than me, you know, to do to make sure that the company culture is set. You know, like definitely if something seems too crazy or, you know, just like it needs to be explained. Like I feel that employees, we should have. Uh, the ability to, you know, like to question, you know, like we're not robots, but yeah. it, at the end of the day, like if you're sitting, if you're supposed to be my higher up, then you need to set the tone and as far as like what, as far as like what the culture looks like, and then also allow for feedback because then the blo- the the lines get blurred if everybody is a part of, you know, the decision making, right? Yeah, if everybody right. is you know, is a higher up, then, you know, who is actually, who is the one that actually has to uh, make sure that those rules and regulations, like, get played out or whatever, if everybody has the ability to determine what those rules and regulations are, like, that's, to me, that's, as a law student or, you know, as a upcoming law student, like, those are things that I'm thinking about, like, yes, like, you know, there, there are clearly a set of laws and regulations and statutes that are in place right now, you mm-hmm. know, that, and we have to follow those. And those things have been around for centuries, you know, like they've been around for very, like a long, long time. And there's a reason why we're still following them today. But, you know, there is, there's room for some input and that input is heard through the courts, right? And then, you know, then uh, judges then, you know, make their decision and those decisions are then followed by others, like for the years to come, stuff like that. So there's room for improvement, but, as far as everyone being a part of the process, and then I didn't, I didn't come to work for everybody else. Exactly. You know, like I'm not trying Word. to work for Joe Smo. Like I work for Word. you because I believe I'm not. It's not just oh, you just getting a deal, and you know you, I, you know I'm I'm coming to you for employment. You also looking for employees. You looking for somebody that wants to work for you. So I'm not looking to work for the you know whoever else. Like I'm not right. looking to work for your researcher so somebody's got to set set the tone as far as what the rules are i agree um especially i think it's an interesting conversation to have as we move into more automation Mm, and mm -hmm. we think about what jobs are going to be here in the future because they'll be automated yeah it'll be molded into like a position where you're just watching the robot to make sure it doesn't overheat Mm -hmm. um I think it's important that those uh, culture building sessions happen in a way, like you said, with the higher ups. But I also think it should be taken into account, like what kind of relationships 
you want to have and at what level with all employees, what kind of relationships you want the employees to have. Um, and then, like, how does that all come together to create the culture? Yeah. Because I say this a lot, all the time, and my mom is somebody who taught me this. We don't have to be friends to get this work done. Mm-hmm. Say that, it again for the people in the back. <laughs> to ev- just about everything that needs to get done. Um, when you go get your taxes done, are you friends with the person preparing your taxes? <laughs> no, but you're going to do my taxes correctly. And just and whoever you're talking to, like when we have movements, um, revolutions, anything that, anything that needs to happen, as long as we can agree on what the end result is, mm-hmm. what the mission is, what our focus should be, if we can all agree on that and how to get there, I don't think we need to be friends necessarily to get it done. Because mm-hmm. I can respect you as a coworker, as a superior, as whatever your title is. You should respect me as whatever my title is, unless I show otherwise that I am not deserving of the respect. And so I give respect and I expect people to give me respect that I give people. So it's like, let's just get the work done. But also, let's agree on how to get it done and how we're going to work together to get it done. Mm -hmm. So that's why I feel all that comes together. Yeah, that's like another thing that we've been we've been talking about is like, you know, the processes of, of how we work. Like those are things that I feel like the higher ups need more need more um attention on and need more feedback on. It's cause everybody doesn't work the same. And, you know, especially like how you're saying where the workforce is gonna get diverse, like we're gonna have, you know, automated, you know, AI in the work in the workplace and stuff like that. Like you know, how do you still make people that are human beings that are still working, um, they're most efficient too, you know, you're right. not going to be able to automate every job, but right. you, clearly there is a need for work to be, you know, for more work to get done, for um, work to be more efficient and stuff like that. So how do we make people more efficient? And I think it's listening to people and hearing what it is that they need in order to be more efficient. Um, and so that's where you know, you start figuring out what systems you can use. And there's plenty of tools out there that um, offices are adopting. Our office has a few tools, um, but still it's like, that's where I think the emphasis and the feedback needs to come from. I don't think it needs to come from like the, the small things like, you know, what, what color is her braids today, you know? Mm -hmm. And then even for it to even be a discussion, you know what I mean? Like for that to even be where your mind goes as a leader, to me, it's just like, it's whack. It's so whack that mm-hmm. you're going to take time out of the day, out of this eight-hour workday to talk about my hair and try to figure out how we can, you know, make that more more systematic in the office. Like, everybody has to come with a ponytail. Like, that's that's crazy to me. If it's not about, you know, hair getting in food, which I'm definitely, yes, pull that hair back, wear a net. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. In my corporate office, uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't push back on the hair net uh, when I was working with food. Right. Um, did not push back, but I sure did wear some crazy hairstyles still. And they weren't crazy; they were just different. Right. Uh, but I still had a ponytail because you know had to. But that was fine. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like you said, I understand and I respect rules. I love rules. I can, I can, I know how far to go, how far I can't go. That's that helps me to have that kind of structure. Right. So yeah, I love rules too. Mm-hmm. My mamas would be so proud. Miss Angela, you better be proud. She says she loves rules. 
<laughs> oh, I still rule now, you know, because that's how I am. It keeps, mm-hmm. it keeps me in order, you know. Yeah. I'm not gonna do no more. I'm not gonna break the rule. And you say, "Oh, so we can break rules?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> you know, sometimes you can bend them a little, but mm-hmm. I don't try to break them. You right. know, we should be able to disagree to agree, so we can get to the point to the better, the better good for what we're trying to do. That's right. You know, but in the workplace for us women. Sometimes I just listen and, and watch, and like when I was listening to you and I listened to Robbie, like it, it's, it's so difficult for me to just to sit there and sometimes just listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't be passive, but I be having so much fury. You have mm-hmm. to go through so much unnecessary mess. It just pisses me off sometimes, you know, because y'all bring so much to the table and they don't see how smart and brilliant you are. I think they do. I think they do see how smart and brilliant we are. I think they, some of they it... keep testing it. They keep testing it. I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you want? What, what are you trying to? It's something that they just keep nitpicking to see if they can just find it and just pop a bubble. Yep. Yeah. So, with that being said, that I want, I kind of want to go back to that first question, like, what is professionalism to you? So, um, we all answered it. So, do you think in being a professional? Do you feel like there are some parts of you you cannot bring into the workplace or that you're discouraged from bringing into the work- workplace? Um, do you feel muted in any aspects of yourself? Like, as a, a professional, did you ever feel like you had to stifle parts of who you are when you come into the workplace? Like, do you think that is true for you? And then the second question or second part to that question would be, what does that then say about how you work or where you work mm. well at least for me like you know to go back to the professionalism stuff like I think I think it is a give and take I you know the, I've only been working for a couple years now um, but what has become more apparent to me is like you're not there's not going to be a perfect situation you know yeah. Like you're not gonna have a job is not gonna give you everything that you want or everything that you <clears throat> that you would prefer. And so you gotta figure out what's priority, you know, like is being able to wear your hair however you want to your office a priority, or is you know, making ninety K a priority, you know what I mean? Okay. Like what? Okay. <laughs> and if it comes down to it. I don't know, you know, depending on what my bill situation and, and loan situation looking like. Right, <laughs> right. Is it Yaki or Remy today? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, I think I'm okay with not being able to do and say and have everything in the workspace that I want, but there are some things of mine that are priority in my workspace you know and that's making the salary that I deserve that's a priority like right because that's how I really judge how much you respect me or not you know what I mean how much you value okay. me or okay. not because I could yeah. be gone and you could let me wear my hair however I want to and I could be gone tomorrow so you know what mm-hmm. I mean like mm-hmm. if my job if my um if me and my uh higher up our relationship as far as like the trust you know like getting the work done, like you trusting me to get my work done or you being in my face, uh, you know, trying to, um, you know, micromanage me, like, I don't want that. So it's a priority that I don't end up in that situation where I have somebody micromanaging me like that. That is a terrible experience because then that starts to impede on 
my personal life because now you messing with my mental health and I can't have that. You right. know, like that's sure. something I, you know, it's really hard to get that back. So, you know, and then my salary will be going to my therapist. So I, you know, I'm not dealing with that. Um, so it's, it's okay for, for certain things. There's some things that I wish we did have more control over, especially like as black women in the office, yeah. it's really hard to, to find, at least I assume, or I think, or from having conversations with other black women, it's really hard to, to get that, to get that respect in the office, you know, like yeah. to get that yeah. respect to like where people are like being intentional with everything that they bring you, you know, the work that they give you, how they speak to you, how they address you, like those, that's really hard uh, to find is, is an office that'll do that um, yeah. as, as in a culture that completely disrespects and undervalues black women period yeah so we got to figure out like if, if it's even realistic that we're going to end up in a situation where we are being valued you know and so what pieces of of that value like what what aspects of respect do you really want do you really want the the um, ability to go to your higher up whenever and like and say, hey, you know, like, I need, I need a pay raise. Like, if that's really good for you, then you want to get that. If it's really important to you to have an HR that actually works, <laughs> that actually does a job, then, yeah. then that's what you need to find. And then everything else probably has to fall to the wayside. But there's no perfect situation. Unfortunate, but true. That's a good point. Yeah, Diane, you, you summed it up, even to, for myself. <laughs> that way it is, you know, it's sad how society has made it. You know, we done fought for women's rights, yeah, all kinds of rights. And but I know what when you go into your job, you make it. You have to make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, once you they see who they're dealing with, they know. Sometimes they're still trying to ruffle the feather, feathers or revive something on you. Mm-hmm. Then you have to throw it back to them. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Let them know that you are thinking every day. Okay, I'm not asleep here. What do you want? This is not what we came here to solve the problem. Right. You know, but that does sum sums it up. <laughs> Roger, what you got? I feel like <laughs> I, I, I learned that lesson <laughs> earlier in the game. Because mm-hmm. um, I've been in retail. I've been working for law firms. I've worked a lot of different jobs. Um, and I kind of started working like for actual pay mm-hmm. when I was a high schooler. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't want to quit every job. So you think, you know, if I keep my head down, I do well, I should be respected. I should get increased pay. Right. But that isn't always the case. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It's also like who you work for, what the organization stands on, and what policies they already have set in place because if that's just their precedent and they if they don't value what you're giving, they're not gonna pay what they, you know, what what your va- your work is essentially valued at. Right. And so I feel like in my like most recent jobs, I've learned and have learned had to learn through like just experiencing so many different things that, like you said, there will not be a perfect situation, but in choosing your career path, in choosing who to work with, what organizations to work with, you have to be mindful of what is going to work for you. Like you said, protecting your mental health, you have to look, have a holistic approach. Like, all right, I'll be um, 
will I be able to go to therapy? Will I be able to schedule that into my my calendar? Yeah. Or like you said, will I be able to express my displeasure with a new policy? Or if I speak up, will I will I also be shown the door? Right. So being mindful of those things, I think is just core to what we as black people, black women especially have had to do and still have to do because of what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are there are some other things too that that you brought up um that I value like you know the flexibility of my workspace, you know, like yeah. if I have to, you know, if can I work from home? Um if I have an appointment or something like that, can I schedule it during the during the work day? Right. Um you know, as far as like what what times of the day can I work and stuff like that, like that's uh-huh. that is cool. It's really that's really important, you know. And that wasn't something that I think I I thought about like while I was in college, like oh, like you know, do you want to have this? You know, do you want to be yeah. able to to come in when you want, like that type of thing. Um, and as I, you know, embark on on law school and stuff, it's like man, like I don't really think that's a lot of lawyers' reality, at least not the ones that work for work for 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 a firm and don't own Uh it themselves like I don't think that that's their reality like they are like some strict times uh that you have to adhere to and like people do want to see you and if you want to move up the ladder you got to be in the office all the time so you know there are some there are some workplaces that are that are flexible and I think as we move into this new era you know of, of working of the working world you know there's there's gonna see we're gonna see a shift and I've already seen it and I like it, you know, everything yeah. isn't terrible. Like we're going to, we're getting some benefits um, off of people becoming more aware that like, it's hard work. You go to work every day. Like you see the people at your office probably more than you see your own kids, you know, like yeah. during the week, like that's a crazy concept. Like it blows right. my mind. Um, and so wouldn't it be nice to be comfortable in that workspace? But to me, you know, as again, as black women, as people of color, like, comfortability like looks totally different to me than what I think it looks to other people you know like people like like the respect thing like I've always been big on respect and that's one thing that I feel like our our country gives us the least of so you think I want to be surrounded by a bunch of people who I feel have been influenced by by this community uh, or by this country that like we deserve the least of it you think I want to be around them all day long like (laughs) okay speak on it (laughs) Really, so, you know, like, hear me now, like, it's not going to get any easier for Black people in the workspace if people don't start um, increasing the time that they spend to, you know, like, check their values and, like, be more culturally aware and stuff like that. Like, it's not going to help us to be around those people more often um, without, you know, like, if you want it, because there's, there's, com- there's companies that really try to embrace, like, everybody being super friendly and family like and stuff like that but if they're not taking the real steps the real things that it takes to make people a family and you know appreciate one another it's going to be off or not yeah i feel like though like we were saying that that's a relationship that has to develop naturally mm-hmm. and i feel right. like in moving in the way we are in these trends in these countries like in our country specifically like you look at the way other countries work and give paid time off and how a lot of other countries are adopting like paternal leave. So not just maternity leave, but paternal leave. Um, and just how the work day, like a lot of companies are testing out four day work weeks. 
um, where they switch up how many days a week and what days a week com- like employees work. Um, it's it's important, I think, to to be like you said, mindful and intentional about aware your awareness of what is the climate in this country, because yeah, we spend a lot of time with these people, but at the same time, we do have to go home. There are other things that we face that we have to put on hold in order to get the work done. So on top of that, that's something I feel that we definitely balance and isn't necessarily appreciated and not that it needs to be appreciated, but I think it needs to be taken into account. Yeah. All the stuff that we do balance. Um, And there are specific ways it can be shown, um, especially now as we're moving, I think collectively as more like a gig economy, so mm-hmm. there are more opportunities to have these co-working spaces where it's like everybody can come here to work or, you know, hop around. I think it's just like, it's it's weird to kind of create those kind of relationships where strangers are allowed to convene. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, if you can do that well, creating that culture with the structure, like physical structure of the environment and then like what policies you create, I think then you can, allow those natural familiar relationships to then grow and foster naturally. Um, and then like in the organization, like where we work, I think it can be natural when you have that structure. Right. Um, yeah. To me, I think, uh, yeah, like on your point on, on these shared spaces and co-working spaces, like at the end of the day, like it's about money, you know, like, the gig economy is growing and it's not just growing because those spaces exist now. Like they're growing out of, out of uh, necessity. Right. Um, and so other, like these work offices and stuff like that are trying to capitalize on that because, because more people are working for themselves and, you know, starting their own businesses. Right. Not, there's not going to be a need for these huge skyscraper buildings. Like my mom works um, in a building that's 29 floors. You know what I mean? Like they're not throwing those up everywhere anymore um, because people are, are working for themselves and working on their own. Um, so how do you capitalize on that? And you trying to bring every, you know, make a space that has free coffee and, you know, opportunities for people to meet other entrepreneurs like themselves and possibly team up with those people is, is great and all that. Um, but still like, understand that like those places are also taking advantage of people and um also um not they're not about the individual they're not really about the individual at least not all of them I feel are, are for the individual like you know it's it's just really like a way to still herd everyone together and when everyone's herd all together it's really hard for people to get what they need as individuals, as people of different demographics and stuff like that, when really they're only looking to like satisfy, you know, like what their main demographic is or like their charts and stuff like that. So it, it needs more work, I think, that whole uh, industry. Yeah, I feel like it is, it is still a new space. Yeah. And so in that line of thinking, especially as Black women are, the what the most educated demographic in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We're also one of the fastest growing um, groups of entrepreneurs That's in the right. country. <clears throat> so, in in that line of thinking, I want to hear from everybody, um, like some advice you would give to professionals um, thinking like an entrepreneur. Like, what kind of professional advice would you give? 
Hmm. Or some tips or like some business etiquette. It can even be advice that was passed down to you. Yeah. Um, some advice I would give is that like, you know, you gotta you gotta network your butt off. You know, you gotta be anywhere you can be, uh, to meet people to that could be potential funders, that could be potential partners, um, and to protect yourself, you know, like start early, start, you know, developing your brand and figuring out ways that you can, you can market that brand. And, and once you start marketing it, protect it, you know, like getting your trademarks and getting your copyrights and stuff like that for your work so that no one can steal it. Um, because it's a, it's a competitive hard world out here and to not share all your plans with everybody. I think that that's like one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten, you know, like lessons learned, like don't share your plans with, with people that you don't trust, that you don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> true. You know, and if they're not, and to stop doing stuff that you're not being paid to do, you know, like. Okay. <laughs> just don't. Just free labor. Don't, just don't. Yeah, free labor, like free, free, amongst each other, you know, like, you know, um, I don't think that you need to get paid to like share information with like you know, people that are also coming up, like, that you've known, like, for instance, um, there's a guy that I went to, that I went to college with, and he has his own um, t-shirt company, right, and he's been, he's been doing that since he was 16 years old, so, like, he has a huge base, Um, he's, um, his name is John Anthony, his uh, company is J.A. Designs, you know, Um, and he's, yeah, J.A. Designs, Um, his mother is um, a pastor in Greensboro, um, and you know, he's been able to like really just build this beautiful brand, um, around like Christian apparel. Um, and so like, we'll sit down and have conversations about me building my own brand. Yeah. Um, he's, he's showed up for me before he helped us, uh, design a program for, for our organization. Yeah. Um, you know, and he did that at, at a very low cost, but you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have advised him in his beginnings to do that you know what I mean right, like right. Get, get yourself somewhere first and then and then you do that right or um you know you look out for the people that are that are going to look out for you that type of thing a um, trade-off yeah right make sure that there's a trade-off and that you're not just like giving your all like how we do for these companies like that's the whole reason that you got out and be- became an entrepreneur is so right. that you're not giving your all to somebody and getting very little in return like right yeah I think that's great advice. My advice is always is if you believe in yourself Mm -hmm. and if you have to stand alone, stand alone. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I didn't heard that one. (laughs) Sometimes your friends will say, oh, I don't believe it. Don't you do it? Then you see them doing something similar and taking off with it. But that was your idea. Talk about it, girl. (laughs) So my theory in life, stand Believe in you. Mm-hmm. Like you say, you can't tell everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, discuss it with your mom, your closest confidants. Yep. You know, not even your best girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And just stick into it. And they be saying, oh, Diane, I know you was doing that wrong. I knew y'all was doing that. Yeah. Yes, here it is. Present it to them on a plan like it. This is what we doing. This is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I second that motion for real. Go ahead, Rod. Yeah. Um, this is coming like fresh from that last networking event. There were so many gems, um, specifically one that was applied to me was 
if you've been mulling over a project, whether it be, because I'm a creative at heart, um, if you've been mulling over a project, some work you've been working on for a year, anything you've been mulling over, there's so many edits you can make with people you collaborate with, with yourself. Go ahead and put it out there for the world to see. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do the little A-B test, get your results, then, you know, refine it and put it back out there. But you have to, at some point, start putting the work out there to get your name, your brand built. And go ahead, go ahead and release it. Stop thinking about it, how it should be, how it should be released. Yeah, have those thoughts, have that conversation, plan it out, but go ahead and start sending out your work. Let, like, release it into the ether and then get feedback rather than, you know, you yourself. I think it could be better this way. Just go ahead and get the feedback. Constructive criticism is your friend. Mm-hmm. Take it and run with it. I used to hate constructive criticism in any form or fashion growing up. You know, I'm sensitive about my work. So take it and run with it. Also, um, when you're networking, don't just network your butt off, but like follow up with people. A lot of people will network, collect cards, and not follow Mm -hmm. up with people. Follow up with the people you connect with. Don't wait for them to hit you up. Go ahead and be weird and stalk them on LinkedIn. (laughs) <laughs> hey, it was nice connecting with you on blah, blah, blah. I would like to talk more about this I saw. Look up their website. Check them out. Give them some kind of support, whether it be a like, share, retweet, something. We'll start building that. Um, also, if it's possible, get a mentor. Yeah. Get a mentor. Yep. Someone uh, who has experience or is where you would like to be. Mm-hmm. But also within that mentor relationship, there could be something that you have that is of value to them. We can all learn from everybody. We can all learn from each other. So some gems. So true. Oh, one more thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to embrace the word N-O. If somebody tells you no, sometimes you have to sit back and think. It might be, it might be a better positive for you for their no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When the door closes, two more open up, or exactly. a window open up, mm-hmm. something. Right. No, it does not mean the end. Yeah, just get, but you got to ask the questions first. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You got to ask the questions. No, those are, those are really good. Because I, you know, I struggle, Raj, like, with if I'm, if what I consider myself to be an entrepreneur, all the time, like, that yeah. question is like, yeah. you know, am I, and, and look at you, like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Yeah, you are. Um, you know, I started a lot of my own initiatives um, with the intent to support other entrepreneurs, Correct. specifically black entrepreneurs, because we we lack a lot of the things that these companies have access of. Right. Right. Which is the talent, the capacity, the money, you know. And so, like, how do we continue to create ways for um you know, entrepreneurs to, to get the things that they need to, to go out on their own. Because I think this world would be a way better place um, if we all, like, had our own our own thing going on, you know? Like, yeah, like, there's going to need to be employees. You know, people need employees. Everybody can't, you know, do their own thing. But a lot more people could be doing their own thing and um, just open up uh, open up the markets, you know? Like, we, we all shop at the same places. But there are some people that are doing some amazing work and, you know, making some, like, have, that have some amazing designs and, and creative ideas that we could be supporting and, and just bringing that to life, you know, it's important to do that for people. It really is. 
to support those ideas. Yeah. And our people specifically, because anyway, our people are supporting are the ones that are bringing the ideas. They're just being stolen, you know, like they're just being snatched from right up underneath us Uh, because we work for other people or because other people have caught on to what we're doing. And with social media and stuff, it's made it so much easier for people to take what what we're bringing to the world. Um, So, yes, because Peaches created what word? The word, what is that word? What word? The word, the young lady, her name is, her her real name is Peaches. And everybody was putting it on t-shirts. What is that word? Oh, you're talking about On Fleek. Oh my God. On Fleek. Yeah, she just like like celebrated her anniversary of that. (laughs) Yes, but like so many instances of that now, Mm -hmm. like in in so many different forms, um, people just taking ideas and run with it as their own. They do a little tweak and it's like, well, dang. Not even a tweak. They're literally oh, okay. putting it on coffee cups in Target. Like right, that's and I feel place. like that girl is not seeing a dime. So she she, she actually I followed she her. She she's oh she does. That's good. Good. Not yeah, just it's it's now. She's now getting recognition, but still it's just mm-hmm. it took too long. Yeah. I think it's been like has it been five years? It's yeah, possible. Five. Yeah, it's been a minute since she said that. But she has her own like hairline now. Yeah. Um, she need to be doing them eyebrows. She need an eyebrow pencil. That's what she needs. Yeah. I'll give her that one for free. Eyebrow kit. <laughs> yeah, eyebrow <laughs> kit. Oh. <laughs> Brows on fleet. Brows I love it. <laughs> but Diane, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Like it's been yes, enlightening. Thank you for having me. We'll probably have you back on again. You know, I would love that. And you're a lawyer, so we can promote the firm. Yeah. Hey. Shout you out. Hey. You know, that's part of the plan. Yes. Mama, keep that hush. Like I told y'all, keep that stuff on the low. (laughs) I mean, no, I'm waiting. We're speaking into existence. Like it's happening. That's true. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. That's another, that's another gem for the entrepreneurs. Yes. Speak it. Mm -hmm. Speak it. Claim it. And take the steps. Walk in it. Just walk yes. in it. Show up. <laughs> show up for the job you want. Yes. So, sometimes, and that's true for me too. I will show up for the job I want. I want to be my own boss. So sometimes I dress as such. That's right. That's you right. see me. That's you right. are your own boss. You get. You get. You're gonna get there fully. But fully. you're already your own boss. Okay. Mm-hmm. From a boss to a boss. I appreciate it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, yeah, but thanks again for having me. I know Raja usually she probably asks all her all her uh people that come on as her cast, you know, what they got going on or in the Yeah, world. how you know? How you know that was coming out? Because <laughs> I does this. Um I just want to take a minute to just shout out the you know, the entrepreneurs that I have encountered recently that yeah. I know and love. Um, Cockatoo um, with the beautiful designer scarves, yeah. uh, J.A. Anthony's I mentioned, Sweeties, um, vegan and soul food catering in Durham. Got some amazing food there. Um, let's see, Maria's in Greensboro, uh, which is banging food catering service. Um, who else is a good one? Oh, go see, uh, go to Black August in the park and go support. Uh, make your donations for that. Black Arkansas in the Park is on August 9th. Yes. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Just Google it. 
That's we'll put right. everything Diane's mentioning in the show notes. Yeah. On online, so you'll have access to all of these entrepreneurs. Yes. For sure. Let's do that. Currently, I'm not working on any projects at the moment, but I have had projects in the past, um, and they might come back, but right now, I'm just trying to get myself into school. So. Okay, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's enough. That's right there. That's fine. <laughs> That is enough for me. But yeah, again, All thanks right. so much for having me, y'all. Thank you for coming. Of course, of course. Thanks, Diane, again for coming to talk with us on the show. Enjoyed you, Diane. It was really enriching. If you too would like to be a guest, you can hit us up in our email or our DMs online. Uh, again, our email is talkingbrown.sugar at gmail.com. We can't wait to have more people on the show. We've got some great stuff planned for you all. I'm Raja. I'm Angela. We out. You hear this um this uh thunder in the background? Like literally. Okay, I thought it you just hit. Like, Good lord. It's raining. Yeah. The rain is coming down and then the thunder like just started. We just yeah. talked about it. We just talked about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was great though, Diane. Thank you, Diane. This was fun. Thank you, Miss Angela. Raja, you're a rock star. You're a rock star, man. I'm about to shut you out in here. <laughs>